Hello, I'm Tom. I'm Lydia. And I'm Sam. And this is Tales of Teenage Terror. Uh, basically, the gist of the show is that we revisit some of Sam's better works from his, uh, what we might call, productive literary age. Some of, some of the better works. Uh, it's, it's all of them. I, I, I would use the phrase choice work, works. It's going to be everything. I didn't, I didn't write anything bad. <laughs> so it came from... It came, well, this, this all came about when I was uh, 14 to 15. Well, it started when I was 14 led into when I was 15. Uh, to set the scene, the year is 2007. Uh, Sam is in year 10, I believe, and he's going through what you might call a black period. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was my sort of gothy period. I just discovered Joy Division, yeah. um, you know, the, the Cure. Yeah. Um, As a bit of extra context, we would point out that Sam is saying this while wearing a Daffy Duck sweatshirt. He tells you some, uh, something about how far he's come since he's, then. He's really recovered, come a long way. Yeah, I'm a perfectly productive member of society. Um, you know, I'm a happy guy. I'm at you know, life of the party. <laughs> we should mention now that Sam is one of the least dark people you'll ever meet. Mm. There is no darkness or depth to him whatsoever. <laughs> and that this is all really rather forced. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess a lot of it was like performative. Um, mm. But yeah, so it but was. What a performance! <laughs> oh God, what a performance! It, it first came about the, the writing first came about when um, it was it was GCSE English, mm-hmm. and I had to submit a short story that I'd written, um, and I, I submitted one story, um, and then it, it was returned with it was an ear, and I thought <laughs> that's not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> we should note at this point that <laughs> Sam's teenage character was something of an egomaniac, um, <laughs> an absolute thirst for attention and All praise. Right. Um, so, um, so yeah, I uh, said, "Can I do another one and see if that gets any better? If see if I can get any star out of it, you know." Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it'd be misrepresentative of your talents to, to settle for an A. Exactly. Yeah. So I went back and I asked, I did a whole new story from scratch, handed that one in, that came back with full marks, 100%. To make you stop doing it for a third <laughs> one, time. 100%. And I thought, right, well, I'm not going to stop there. <laughs> what what else is there after 100%? Well, no, I'm not going to, I stopped submitting them. I oh, thought, okay, you know, right. I'm not going to give the poor teacher a rest. Um, this is pretty frightened out of my wits. It was a man, so that's a <laughs> sexist assumption you've just made. Um, and yeah, so I, I, I thought I'm not going to stop there, I'm going to keep going. And what I ended up doing was um, writing a, a series of interlinked short stories which would come together to form sort of like one overall um, meta plot. Is a word I've learned since I was. <laughs> so you were, at the time, you were operating on a level beyond what you sort of intellectually had a grasp of. Like you were plugged into some greater. Um, yeah, like that was the seventh. That's yeah. the muse, Nico. That's the muse. Yeah. <laughs> happens. Um, yeah, so many years later, um, <laughs> as in the other week, for some reason, we thought it would be fun if I read one of these stories out. I guess it was because 
we were getting into like ghost stories. We'd watch some ghost stories on the telly or something like that. We like, love ghost stories. What, it was like the BBC Christmas ghost story. Yeah, thing, ghost stories. Christmas watched um, Signalman. Signalman whistling. I'll come to you. Yeah, uh, classics of the genre. And I um, thought, well, I tell you what, I can do better than that. I'll show you this story that I wrote when I was a kid, which got full marks. Um, and, and all was not. And as it'll terrify you. Yeah. It'll terrify you. Yeah. Yeah. I was th- in my mind, it was like really, really scary because <laughs> I didn't know. I haven't read it since. You know, I thought, oh, it's a genuinely scary story. So we dimmed the lights and I read it out in sort of like uh, hushed tones. And, um, and within forty-five seconds, we had to get some toilet paper because we were just sobbing with laughter. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I thought. So it wasn't. It wasn't as good. As I remembered. Oh, it was much better than I'd hoped. <laughs> um, it was astonishingly, astonishingly entertaining. Mm. And I thought, well, I don't want them, I don't want to leave them with an incomplete story. I mm. want to, you know, so I thought we'd go back through the, the rest of the... Yeah, it turns out there's like thousands of pages of this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we'd go back through the rest of the uh, sort of novel. The archives. And, um, and we thought we might as well... Record it. Put it on the internet. Why mm. not? Um, Send it to the British Museum. Mm. Yeah. So the, the the title of the overall work, the title of the overall work is The Fountain: colon, A Novel in Shards. <laughs> <laughs> so the idea being, what, what, what is a shard exactly? Well, here? that's it. Is it just a short story? Yeah. Right. So the, 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 they're all <laughs> shards. I'm with you. It's they've been fragmented. They've yeah. been blown apart. Smashed it's... like a mirror. Yeah. Bad luck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thinking. It's imagery. It's um. Yeah. They've been smashed, and you, you're gonna have to piece it back together as the reader. Okay. In, I thought that shards. was your. That job is. As the that's writer. actually a very accurate summation of what we're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it I mean, it's more like CSI, really. I mean, putting together this blasted uh, corpse of a uh, <laughs> and a literary work and seeing exactly what happened. Okay, so should we should we go? I, I was going to start with the blurb. For, for the oh, book. is there a it's, blurb? It's not, it's not a blurb per se, it's just a little paragraph that I wrote um, to sort of... Because I, I, I put all yes, of these stories... I put these stories up on the internet as I was writing them to sort of invite um, criticism from other writers Well, online. you didn't invite criticism, you awaited applause. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose that's more accurate. Um, so the, the, the blurb that I put up for The Fountain, a collection of short stories interspersed with diary extracts and newspaper articles, which come together to form an overall plot. (laughs) (laughs) That's all literature ever. (laughs) The stories are set at various different points in recent history, i.e. late 1800s to the present day. Mm. So that's recent history. Well, cosmically speaking, it is. Um... So, <laughs> yeah, so the, the idea is, I think I set, going back so far, I set a story in each decade. Yeah. Um, so this this one's set in the 18-something or others. Um, 
It's, well, I don't know. It'll become clear when I start. Will reading. it? Oh, well, it'll, it'll say. It'll, I imagine it'll say very early on. Well, I, I could be wrong. Um, All right. No, I can't. I can't actually find the error in here anywhere. Uh, in the late eighteen something or others. We'll try and piece it together afterwards. Yeah, based on historical <laughs> clues. <laughs> so this was full marks at GCSE, one hundred percent. This is the same stress. Each of these, uh, each of these stories also has like an epigram. Of course, at the start. Old scores. I think. Uh, I, I think at that age, like you're just discovering the various sort of instruments. Yeah. Of, of, of sort of uh, literature and that kind of thing, and you want to use them as soon as you possibly can to prove that you know what they are. Okay. I'm not excusing whatever this is. <laughs> I'm just saying I can see why you did it. So a lot of the the epigrams, the quotes, um, they're all from um, like goth rock songs <laughs> um, from the from the eighties. Yeah. Um, and they all have some tangential relation, hopefully, to, yeah. to the story. Hopefully, um, yeah. This is, goes. But if you could just see the beauty, these things I could never describe, these pleasures, a wayward distraction, this is my one broken prize, and that's from Isolation by Joy Division. What was that? These beauties I could never describe these things I could never describe that's really like setting yourself up on <laughs> yeah exactly it's like dampening expectations <laughs> um, so this is it, it begins this is now the story okay alright okay hang on I'm just going to open my bed there we go yeah everybody at home open your beds now <laughs> the seamstress Destruction is generally viewed by much of the population as a negative thing. <laughs> oh, God. Not the lads who knock down buildings, though, because it's their livelihood. I, for one, find an exquisite beauty in the concept of destruction. A conclusion, whether natural or otherwise, is inevitable. And there can be nothing at all wrong with the inevitable. I just want to say really quickly, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> yeah, where are you? Is this, is this like, is this the narrator's voice? or is this, Yeah, this okay. is the narrator. This is sort so of the... So you, you, the narrator, hunched over the desk in your childhood bedroom. Yeah, with my quill. <laughs> with your quill and par- you know, parchment. Mm. It's sort of, think of it as like the sort of Twilight Zone mm. introduction. Mm. Why don't you do it in the Twilight Zone voice? So you're in sort of a traditional Victorian parlour room, you know, leather-bound books line the walls, with an enormous sort of tome in front of you, reading Mm. aloud, and that's the the central eye figure. Is that what we're Mm. supposed to be picturing? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I mean, that might not be consistent throughout (laughs) all of the stories, or indeed this one, but um, that's the sort of narration I'm going for at the minute. So imagine, like, Peter Cushing sat in a a wing-backed armchair Mm. with a big book. Okay. Creation, on the other hand, is a preventable occurrence, and as such can be viewed with as much contempt as the viewer desires. Wear a condom, kids. (laughs) (laughs) Creation can indeed be beautiful, but more often than not, it is the result of misguidance, selfishness, or even evil. I think I had a jib there. Yeah, it was that one jib. With a little, yeah, Whereabouts, like, just over I was there. just above my kidneys. It's like a... Chill on your kidneys. <laughs> yeah, that's where it starts. 
He had a distinct round face and tiny. <laughs> How was it distinctive? <laughs> in the like, the I can see when you say round faces, I can see like Thomas the Tank Engine. Moon <laughs> face from the faraway tree. <laughs> <laughs> it's distinct. Well, I suppose that's sort of me trying to get out of actually describing it. Isn't it? <laughs> it was distinct. You know what you're saying. Because he had a head that was completely spherical. <laughs> he had a distinct round face and tiny flickering eyes that were constantly looking from side to side. That's literally Thomas the Tank Engine. <laughs> this is ruined it for me now. <laughs> this alone was enough to make any casual onlooker suspicious. <laughs> What's a casual onlooker? Well, anybody. Just a casual who's standing around on the street corner sort of casually onlooking. <laughs> Looking on. <laughs> he wore a black top hat and a long fur coat reaching down to his ankles. To his wheels. <laughs> the coat was fastened all the way down, so it was impossible for anyone to see what lay beneath. That's how coats work. Yes. <laughs> yeah. so- he carried a long white cane made of what appeared to be ivory and topped with a white, uneven sphere. The sphere's bumpy surface was presumed by his peers to be a result of its most probable purpose. <laughs> Beating workers. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And Sorry. down at the bastards club. <laughs> yeah. Be- beating workers. This rotund customer (laughs) was the proprietor of the local workhouse. He was known to employ about 100 orphan boys, although the exact number could never be determined, as no man was allowed within the workhouse, and none of the boys allowed out. The only people who were ever seen entering or exiting the building were the owner and his coachman. As he entered the grocery store, the entire shop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that bit of an anachronism? Is that there. a bit? Bit of a, bit of a jarring. Yeah. You know, it took us yeah. right out of the moment. I'm yeah, guessing, exactly. Where is he in a fucking shell garage? <laughs> like, what's going on? We we don't even see a grocery store anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Country. Yeah. Oh. What did he po- What did he buy there? I'm really <laughs> interested. Well, we're not going to find out. So. I'll have a pack of cigs and like a bag of crisps. <laughs> Do you get one of those like make-it-yourself salads that you get from Morrison's? Mm. Pasta salads. Oh, you're allowed to say stuff about Morrison's, so we're going to have to cut that out. No, I'll keep it. They might send us some free Should salad. we just keep banging on about Morrison's yeah. and see what happens? Market Street is my favourite street. Oh, f- yeah, in the yeah. UK. But Morrison's has if streets. I... Market yeah. Street, man. Yeah, if I could, I'd buy a house on Market Street. Where they've got They've got Hot Chicken Street. Hot Bakery Street. Yeah, Rotisserie Street is yeah. it's called in, in France. <laughs> is that enough? Rue de la Rotisserie. Is, <laughs> is, is that enough Morrison's? You can't nah. see, but I'm rubbing my legs. He's <laughs> um, in the grocery store. I really like the fact you can make your own pizzas there. Yeah. Yeah, oh, the, the, salad, bar. the yeah. salad bar. Oh, yeah. This is all gold material for the um, <laughs> extra content. Yeah. As he entered the grocery store, the entire shop froze. He silently collected and paid for his goods. That's what he's buying. Goods. Yeah. And left. Ironic, isn't it? Because he sounds pretty evil. You see, that's all the 
literary devices for you. Very clever. No one was entirely sure why such a wealthy man would choose to do his own shopping, just as no one was sure why he was so feared. He had never been known to harm a soul and indulged in an animal... Apart from all those people that he beat with that cane. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> and that everybody tacitly knew about. That was just assumptions. He'd never been known beyond doubt to harm a soul. No smoke without fire, though. No cane without beating. <laughs> He'd never been known to harm a soul and indulged in an annual display of benevolence, making donations to various charities around Christmas time. There, off. There was an... <laughs> There was just an aura of foreboding around him, which every man recognised. He boarded his coach just as silently as he had conducted himself previously, and the coach slowly embarked on its short journey. No one ever managed to catch a glimpse of his coach, as he only used it under cover of darkness. Oh, but I'm the casual onlooker, and I see many things. <laughs> I mean, if you can see his tiny darting eyes, then presumably it's his massive fuck-off coach. Yeah. Those who did, however, claimed it was a rather unusual sight. They described it as being a pale white, and being made out of a material other than the usual wood. <laughs> <laughs> Appearing soft and thin. The wheels were also white, but the most unusual sight was the horses. The horses, according to witnesses, were much smaller than the average horse <laughs> and had rather odd-shaped heads. How foreboding. They apparently did not ever look at all well. And laboured slowly. Don't look at all well. And laboured slowly and reluctantly. Of course, all people who claimed to have seen such horses were declared insane. <laughs> Of course. I saw a small horse the other day. <laughs> it looked Get like... away with you. <laughs> it was labouring, I tells you. Uh, were declared insane and locked up, so their accounts could not really be believed. And any man who openly declared such belief would probably be declared insane also. So I also just point out this any man business. It's always any man, every man. Uh, it's the Victorian times. So only men count. Yes. Okay. As you see, it's actually a feminist story in the end. Well, we'll, we'll right, see well, about we'll that, won't we? <laughs> we shall see. It is a feminist <laughs> story. Um, so this is just reflecting the prejudices of the time. Okay. So, what, what, 2007? Oh, <laughs> 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 God. Uh, um, yes. It was around this time that the disappearance of a local boy was brought to the attention of the press. The boy's distraught mother told police she was out shopping with the boy when she gave him some money to buy himself a ball (laughs) as he was becoming bored. Get yourself out of the shell garage. (laughs) Buy yourself a ball. It's like, what? I bought the flyaway. One of those smelly balls with the the face on, you know, the smell of fruit. <laughs> she arranged to meet him at the new town fountain. fountain. First appearance of the fountain. Okay. That might become important. Okay, I think we should pay particular. <laughs> I think we should pay particular attention to how this fountain is described in the following. Because I mean, this is important for setting up its future importance. Yeah, yeah well, it's the new town fountain. Is that so the at this stage, so as far as it goes, <laughs> at this stage in the late eighteen hundreds, it's just being built. 
That's okay. right. At two o'clock. She <laughs> was two minutes late, but by then the boy had disappeared. She waited at the fountain for an hour before heading home, in the hope that he might have returned to his father. The boy had been missing for two days. A large campaign was initiated to find the boy, with officers visiting adjacent towns in the hope of a sighting. The national press was alerted, and the entire country seemed to be on lookout. A chief supporter of the campaign was the workhouse owner, who donated an undisclosed sum to the police forces. After several weeks, the hype died down, (laughs) and the boy was all but forgotten about. So what, that boy was the equivalent of, like... Suicide squad. (laughs) Yeah. Once he got over that first opening weekend, no one followed. He would have been erased from the public consciousness completely, were it not for the small girl who disappeared by the fountain two weeks after the search was officially called off. The same pattern was repeated, however, and she was eventually given up on. The third child to disappear was apparently enough to suggest to the police that there was a connection. (laughs) (laughs) I like how you're holding this whole thing at arm's length. It's like, yeah, apparently they thought that. Well, I don't know, it was a long time ago. This is is just hearsay. It's been passed down through generations. Alright, I'm writing it down. Okay. Probably, I think, I don't know. And an investigation was launched to capture the supposed serial kidnapper. Is that a thing? Do, do you get serial kidnappers? Of course you get serial kidnappers. Child catcher. <laughs> In the midst of all this arrived a young girl, around 16 years of age. Spicy. <laughs> a young girl, around 16 years of age, from the north of England. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just point out how, you know, obvious this is? You've got 15-year-old you writing in Sunderland mm-hmm. about this like this this lass who's shown up. Yeah. She's 16. Yeah. You know, she's on the case. Yeah, mm-hmm. what are you getting at? I'm just I'm not getting at anything. I'm just suggesting that you had ulterior motives with this feminist narrative <laughs> that you're claiming to have. Her father owned an orphanage in her hometown. Renowned for being one of the only orphanages in the country to truly care for its charges. Six years ago, a child was brought to them, a newborn so hideous its current guardian could not bear to gaze upon its monstrous visage. (laughs) Nevertheless... (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody have anything other than a monstrous visage? No, he he had a distinct face. (laughs) <laughs> that's not necessarily well, the tank engine yeah he did <laughs> so what, what makes children's TV character is he then <laughs> maybe Diesel from Thomas <laughs> well he's a baby though yeah what, well I mean I suppose they don't put horrible babies on TV no <laughs> <laughs> oh maybe one of the um, one of the goblins from uh, Nobby Nobby <laughs> Noddy <laughs> Let's move on. (laughs) His current guardian could not bear to gaze upon its monstrous visage. Nevertheless, he was inducted into the orphanage. It was a hazing kind of ritual. (laughs) It's like trying to get into a sorority house or something. (laughs) As he grew older, his deformities became even more apparent. (laughs) 
So he didn't grow into his face. No. I've known people grow into their heads. Like my, my mate had a massive head when he was born, and he's got a pretty normal. Yeah, my head. my brother, my little brother's head was sort of like squishy. He got yeah. squished a bit in the head on his way out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you can't tell. And the, well, you can't tell now. Apart he's from grown that. into it though. His personality is is formed around but it. If you look at pictures of him as a baby, though, he's got this like ugly misshapen head. Um, so you were you writing about your brother here? <laughs> this is real. This is deep shit. Mm. But all, all I'm saying is here. I think sometimes if it's an ugly baby, you just think, oh, it's just an ugly baby. You think things like that. You think it'll go into his face. There's a lot of ugly babies in Sunderland. Yeah, yeah that's true. you think, oh, it's an ugly baby. But this one, uh, this one, it's ugly. Didn't he? He's got even uglier as he grew up because oh, he right. stops. He's not a baby anymore. You know, it's the same features of a baby, but. <laughs> <laughs> on an older boy's head that is, that is the most horrifying thing you, you, I've yeah, heard so far yeah. that's not literally I don't know it's just so ugly there's a, all right? so there's a six year old boy with a, a baby's no, head that, no he's just ugly <laughs> it's ugly you oh, just picture it for yourself now. it's you're ugly now. anyway look <laughs> no he's just ugly you picture it for yourself it's left up to the reader's imagination like so many things <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, as he grew older, his deformities became even more apparent, as did his mental deficiencies. Oh, God. I just want to point out, um, I'm not proud of any of any of this, but in particular, the offensive bits. There will be many more, but we, we obviously, we'll, we'll, we'll stick a disclaimer on the beginning, I think. Mm-hmm. Now. I, I was a child, uh, I was 15. And a particularly stupid child. Yeah, deficiencies, perhaps... Is an understatement. <laughs> I didn't think God. you were going to go in deeper on it. Jesus. So much shade. Leave <laughs> oh. him alone. Yeah, heaven's sake, he's already hideous, apparently, with a baby's head. There's no need to kick him for, this for orphanage, things he cannot yeah. help. I thought this orphanage was a nice place. It is a nice place. It's just a ugly baby with mental deficiencies. Oh, that was an ugly child with mental deficiencies okay okay it's not to do with the orphanage go on the orphanage is lovely he regularly attacked his fellow children <laughs> with increased violence at one point almost killing a boy soon after his sixth birthday he spontaneously died <laughs> Spontaneous oh. death, menace <laughs> of the Victorian, yes. you know, just menaced. It was a real public health issue at the yeah. time. Wash so your we... hands in case of spontaneous death. <laughs> We've got to shut down these pumps that are giving everyone spontaneous deaths. The great thing about this is that the word spontaneous means that we can avoid using specific details or actually, you know... Just, we can just say, he died. I know it doesn't make much sense, but that's what happened. Well, wait. You just I am ass- bored of this subplot. <laughs> <laughs> You're just assuming these things. You haven't even let us finish the sentence. Oh, go on Sorry. Soon after his sixth birthday, he spontaneously died of unknown causes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, probably. As the orphanage still had the name of the father, the young girl was sent to find him and inform him of the tragedy. After some months of research, she eventually found his town of residence. We never find out where it is, do no. we? No. No. Well, I mean, it being this evil is probably like Borough. 
<laughs> somewhere down south. <laughs> oh, God. It was when looking around this town, <laughs> she found, opposite the fountain, a rather sinister-looking warehouse. I think I mean workhouse. <laughs> Aren't all warehouses rather sinister-looking when you yeah. think about it? It's pro- that's probably just like an autocorrect issue. Yeah. A rather sinister-looking warehouse. Looking at the building's nameplate... Oh, there's no apostrophe there. How did this get full marks? I've got no idea. I mean, this was a long time. You wouldn't get well, you, full marks these no, days. Yeah. They've clamped down really hard on English GCSEs, yeah. haven't they? No yeah. more shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the building's nameplate, she saw a name she instantly recognised. The name of the child's father. Which was... As she neared the gate... <laughs> Nobody has any names in no. this. As she neared the gate, she found it difficult to understand why the entire street was looking at her as though she was insane. <laughs> <laughs> the town where everybody was insane. Yeah! If they saw anything. <laughs> Did everyone just wander around staring at the ground? I saw a him? tiny horse the other day, you're insane. <laughs> it I was slightly a... smaller than a horse! <laughs> Cart him away. I saw a sinister warehouse. Get rid of him. (laughs) (sighs) She found the door unlocked and entered, ignoring the bewildered stare of her audience. There's those casual onlookers. (laughs) They they play such a big part in this. A more dire mistake has not to this day been made. (laughs) Since the late 1800s has paled in comparison to entering the sinister warehouse. I'm fancy it's stupid. The door did not generally need to be locked, as most of the locals stayed away out of fear. The arrival of a young girl from the north of England. (laughs) Why didn't you just give her a name? The arrival of a young girl from the north of England, however, was not an eventuality that the owner had prepared for. (laughs) No one ever, ever expects the girl from the north of England. She may have not been afraid... Wait, what? (laughs) She she may have not been afraid while entering the building, but as soon as the door closed behind her, she felt a terror... Like none she had ever felt before. Yeah, a bit she's seen some shit, man. You're getting the yeah, tapes. she's from the north. <laughs> Jesus. She's, she knows a bloody sinister warehouse and she sees one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This workhouse, as it turned out, was very different from your average workhouse. Which it's is pretty not... bad to begin with. Yeah, it's not ideal. No, we're it? getting into pretty serious jibby territory. Oh, readers, yeah, right, take, reader, take note. Mm. Say reader, you're the reader now. <laughs> Listener. <laughs> the workhouse, as it turned out, was very different from your average workhouse in that it employed no workers. Ooh, what, sorry, this is just a house. <laughs> <laughs> Only machines. Is this all about the Industrial Revolution? What? Well, I mean, <laughs> way past it, but, you know, is that a reading we could have? I think we could read that. Yeah. yeah. What, because it's like people getting replaced by machines? But yeah, work, what you've basically yeah. done is you've written modern times. Yeah. Except a Victorian version. And, like, not good. Machines of such a horrific design... <laughs> that only the most twisted of souls in the pit could have drawn the blueprints. 
well, the pit needs some the animals. Pit. You know, we need to Definitely. talk about the pit. We yeah. need to talk about the pit. I mean, I think what I meant was their sort of hell. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like not the, dump pit. Not, yeah, not... Uh, but <laughs> but because know, she's a girl from the, the north, north of England, England. Yeah. in the... She might think that... She might be thinking, oh, only the most twisted... Them blocks hey. in the pit are like... <laughs> The great gang of bastards, only one of them would have possibly thought this up. I mean, I don't know how northern she is. Like, did she just wander in thinking it was a Greg's? (laughs) Oh, come on, that is. That's offensive. No, it isn't. Oh. (laughs) I was hoping it would be. I mean, she's never been outside of her own, her hometown before, and she's from the north of England. I think. But she compares everything to a pit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Is this a pit? (laughs) Oh, no. Must be to workhouse. <laughs> Those are the only two things that existed in North England in the late 1800s. It's true. The machines were composed entirely of human body parts, sewn together unevenly and working without any visible source of power. Conveyor belts were made of skin, stretched out over two turning bones. <clears throat> <laughs> I'm really sorry. That was incredible. You've never like burped before. That really brought the tension. I'm sorry, it's the jib. Is this the fear? That was the jib leaping out of your (laughs) gullet. We should replace that with a beep. (laughs) And it's been edited. Oh God, I'm really sorry that I I think you were building up some uh, momentum there. Yeah, you've really got in the way of the floor. Sorry. Presses were made from hands and feet. Pounding down on the fleshy surface. Thought so it was like sort of things high fiving. Yeah. Just like a slow like golf clap. Constantly. Fingers were needles. Thighs. That's not now, practical. Hold the phone. How is that practical? Fingers were needles. <laughs> like <No>. middle fingers. <laughs> like wands. Worn fingers. You didn't say that in the thing. You said fingers. It doesn't work either. (laughs) A bone's not sharp. What? What are you talking about? A bone's not... No, Sam, finger finger bones bones aren't needles. Are they not sharp? No. No. They're finger shaped. They would just be like knuckle bones standing about the the skin conveyor belts. Right, well this... I meant sharpened fingers. Okay. Or like talons. You'd, you'd never seen a human skeleton before you wrote this. Or maybe they've got really sharp fingernails. Sharpened fingers were needles, thighs were rollers, and rill, ribs drilled holes. Because ribs are sharp. They're, they sharpen them. Yeah. <laughs> and they're also massive. I mean, you're just either entirely <laughs> ignorant of either human skeleton or workhouse machinery, or both. Yeah. As is the case here. Um, yeah. Or maybe you are. <laughs> I'm going to go out on a, on a limb here appropriately, oh, enough, <laughs> appropriately enough and say that we're both wrong every machine in the room appeared to be screaming how? screaming like small boys oh my god <laughs> didn't see that one coming it had, how is it screaming so like, it have, they're, they're like yeah. their fingers does it have a the sort of voiceless voice, or is it like I'm picturing, you know, a sort of almost Hitchcockian, like there's sort of really high strings in the background, mm. sort of 
you know, wailing. So right. it's, not, it's not an actual oh, yeah. like, shriek, it's a sort of. I mean, you've already noise. moved on to the movie adaptation. Uh-huh. I think we, need, quickly, to, we yeah. need to stick to the text. Who's playing uh, Thomas the Tank Engine? <laughs> Ringo Starr. <laughs> His face isn't round enough. <laughs> I, okay. What? Screaming like little boys. What, what, is it like a, ah, or is it more like it's a... No, it's like little boys, what the hell was that? It's like, ah, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I've been turned into a machine. <laughs> Won't somebody help us? No, if only not... there were a girl from the north. No, they're not, they're not speaking, oh, they're just yeah. screaming. <laughs> What's it, okay. They're just screaming. Ah, How? They're, they're ah. like, their hands and feet. Yeah, well it's ghosts, isn't it? What? No, it hasn't you been ghosts at all. No, well, how are they moving in that case? It's because they're probably possessed by ghosts and the ghosts are... Well, being... I mean, this was a separate issue I was going to bring up. The ghosts are screaming. It's the ghosts screaming and so it's, it's like, like little boys. So it is like a sort of background string instrument. Yeah, really except like it's, it's a human voice. Right. Coming out of ghosts. That was Morrissey. <laughs> <laughs> Morrissey would be right on this shit. He would be right on it. <laughs> I didn't want to be on a machine. <laughs> Every machine in the room appeared to be screaming, screaming like small boys. The no- what? Hang on, sorry. God. This is a small grammatical point. Is it screaming like small boys or screaming, quotation marks, like small boys constantly? <laughs> like small boys. Like small boys. Like small boys. <laughs> So to the tune of Wild Boys, is a small boys <laughs> over and over again. Production line, small boys. <laughs> Never chose this way. <laughs> they didn't. It's a tragedy of it. Yeah. The noise was unbearable, and the young girl fled immediately through the nearest door into what appeared to be a stable. <laughs> it was a stable. I don't know why I said a pain that it was a stable. <laughs> you were always you were, this suave narrator is very keen to distance himself uh, from any declarative statement. Appeared to be. Yeah. And so I've heard. <laughs> so the legends tell. In the stable was a large coach, a coach made once again from skin stretched over a chassis of bone. Yeah. That explains why it looked so thin. Yeah, it was just made of skin. I see what you did there. The most disturbing sight she has encountered this evening, though, was the horses. <laughs> She's insane. <laughs> the horses were not horses at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, colour me fucking surprised. <laughs> the horses were human children. Hang on, how big are human children? Well, very fucking small. Small compared to horses, which is yes. what I'm saying. Did you not see? You, did you not say before they were slightly smaller? The, you said they were, they were a bit smaller than horses. Yeah, they slightly like smaller. Dog size. <laughs> well, maybe it's more than one child per horse. Well, we'll find out, won't we? Well, well, like he was maybe <laughs> when you inevitably don't clarify anything. <laughs> Bent out of shape, it was remarkable that they were still alive. Their skeleton had been twisted to resemble that of a quadruped. That's an animal with four legs. Very good. And their skulls have been crushed at the sides to make their heads appear longer. (laughs) So basically they all look like Nicholas Lindhurst. (laughs) 
they were crying. Oh. Del. <laughs> Brendan. As she struggled to keep herself from vomiting, that's how Jabir is. Yeah. <laughs> They're trying to leap out of her stomach. She heard footsteps coming towards the stable. She quickly hid beneath some hair. A man entered the room. Oh, God. Is this actually a man or is this a man made of, like, horse parts or something? <laughs> he had a distinct, round face and, and tiny, flickering eyes. <laughs> and a slowly smoking funnel. <laughs> <laughs> that were constantly looking from side to side. Oh, my God. Yeah. He wore dun, a... Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> He wore a black top hat <laughs> that was made it's from... It's the Fat Controller! <laughs> oh my no way! <laughs> he wore a black top hat which was made from charred flesh and a long coat reaching down to his ankles that was covered in children's hair. Ugh. Yeah, the coat was fastened all the way down. So it was impossible for anyone to see what lay beneath. I bet he's bollock naked. <laughs> he carried a long white cane made of what appeared to be a filed human spine. <laughs> I mean, that's bollocks. I mean, this is the point where we, we realise you really don't know what a human yeah. skeleton looks like. I'll go say. Like, it's just a floppy, bloody head. <laughs> yeah. Apart from anything else, he's got half, He's going to have to be about four and a half foot tall for it yeah. to be an effective staff. <laughs> Maybe there's like several human spines together. Yeah, especially together. if they're children's spines. Oh, exactly. Notoriously Tiny. short. That's <laughs> what children are known for. <laughs> yeah. Short spines. Yeah. And it was topped with a white, uneven sphere. Semicolon. A ball joint. <laughs> oh! You've really done your it's research. Like, I'm not yeah. sure what a ball joint is. It's, um. It's like if you like think of a knee. With it being your knee, a ball well, joint. Yeah, yeah or like, like your, your um. The, um, hips, your shoulders, yeah. right. these balls. Are they actually shaped like balls then? Yeah. Anyway. Do you think he's got like a George Foreman made out of, I don't know, tibias or something? <laughs> he's got like spiralizer. Where does it end? <laughs> spiralizer made out of yeah. femurs. This rotund customer was the father of the boy. Oh. It was the father of the boy, the rotund customer. Ah. Oh. He was known <laughs> to a, the ugly boy. Oh, with the deficiency. oh, the oh well, you you've cut out like, several like subplots that you should have explained there. He was known to have employed about 100 orphan boys, although now he employed none. <laughs> he had in fact killed them all, and <laughs> through some unknown method, oh, brilliant, created ghastly mechanical devices. <laughs> Why does the narrator know some things, but not others? Yeah, why does he know that this bloke is the uh, hideous baby child? like, father, but yeah, he's also the workhouse owner, and he's got unknown men. Yeah, it's just, I don't know, fucking aliens. I didn't ask about it, neither should you. Well, maybe (laughs) the methods will become clear. Well, I I haven't got a great deal of faith that that's what's going to (laughs) happen. When he ran out of children... He began to harvest them from the streets and throw the police off his trail by donating large sums to the investigation. I have to say, the police are 
Bloody morons. The police are the villains in this story. Incompetence. Yeah. He was soon joined in the stable by a tall, thin, rather decrepit old man who boarded the coach with him and began to manoeuvre it out of the stable, into the streets, and locked the stable door behind them. It was dark and wet. You know how the police are so incompetent here? You assume. I mean, why are they so incompetent that... When three kids went missing, they didn't say, hang on, maybe it's that fella who's got dead kids instead of horses on his coach. don't know that because no one ever looks at the horses because it's... Yeah, and then they're declared insane. (laughs) Yeah. So why has he brought up the, like, medical practices in this town as well? Why? Well, to have people declared insane because they said, I've seen a slightly more smaller horse than you. <laughs> no, it was Victorian times. Everyone was in... This always declared people insane in Victorian times. Daft things. <laughs> I, t- I think you've really done your research on some things and you've really not on others. I think the things which suited <laughs> what you wanted to say. As the young girl left her hiding place... She realised with disgust that it was not here at all. Oh, is, is anything anything? <laughs> it was not here at all, but more human hair. Oh, for fuck's sake. That's a really difficult mistake to make. <laughs> yeah, we just land on it and think, oh, yeah, this is probably... this is Who has hair that is so, the same width of exactly. straw? I'm picturing in the movie version, it would be hay, and then suddenly when the narrator says that, it's hair. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. that quick, you know. I think you're really, um, you're glossing over some of the really sort of scary ideas here, like these horse kids being forced to eat hair off people. There's no nutritional value in it. I mean, that's the least of their problems. They'd be fucking dead. There's no... It, there's, yes, okay, that is the least of their problems. I mean, yeah. what were the machines eating? Was it hair? <laughs> no, the machines aren't eating anything. Oh. So, uh, okay. I don't, in my mind, I don't think they actually need sustenance. He just makes them eat hair because that's what horses do. <laughs> that's not what horses do. No, horses eat hair. <laughs> the horses eat hair? That's so yes. funny, though. That's so funny how, like, he's got these, like, child slave horses and they're all, like, crying and whatever. Mm. And then he's like, here you go, here's your hay, horsies. Now, eat your hay. Like, he's, he's playing with himself, so he's, like, taking yeah, care yeah, of the exactly. horses by giving them the hay. That's really disturbing. Yeah, isn't he's it? Thank you. me. Thank you. He's a Jim really well-drawn character. Yeah, you've disturbed me. <laughs> Yeah, when you say well-drawn, you've just drawn a big circle and put eyes in the middle of it. <laughs> and put a big coat on him. Down to the ground. Ooh. Ooh. Anyway, driven almost to the point of insanity, almost, <laughs> she burst through the doors back into the workroom. There were another three doors out of the workroom. And she... That is like the bloody crystal maze yeah. <laughs> to Keshi's castle. <laughs> and she had forgotten which one led to the outside world. She frantically picked one at random. I just want to say in advance that this sentence has an exclamation mark on the end of it. At random! No, not that sentence, the next sentence. (laughs) Okay. She could not have been more wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Hang on. She was so wrong She picked one at random. She could not have been more wrong. Yeah. Okay. She picked the wrong door. So wait, was like the, with, with the other two, like there was a nice surprise behind them. Yeah. Like a new washing machine. <laughs> a speedboat. Yeah, and she, and she managed not to pick them. She couldn't have been more wrong. There was three yeah. doors, she picked the worst one. Do you know what this is most like? Nightmare? Yes, it's very like Nightmare. Very like Just nightmare. the sheer number of doors. <laughs> yeah. And also the omniscient narrator going, I wouldn't do that if I were you. <laughs> the door opened into a small dark room. 
lit by a lone candle. There was a large shelving unit <laughs> about as tall. <laughs> There was a Billy bookcase <laughs> in pine. And a marm table <laughs> in white. With three loose screws that nobody knew quite where they were meant to go, left on top. <laughs> but you might need them in the future. <laughs> Did people not have shelving units in Victorian no, times? No, they didn't call didn't them shelving shelf units. They didn't have Ikea, sadly. It's, it's the Americanised like, Swedish language there that I object to. Mm. The large, there was a large shelving unit, about as tall as the room itself, and as wide as one of the walls. It Which had, was how wide? As wide as one of the walls. <laughs> it's a small, dark room, so... Okay. <laughs> so it is one of those IKEA units that covers like the whole wall, and you put your DVDs yeah. in there. Whoever put this room together has got taste. He's got taste. Give them that. Let's find out. <laughs> it had six rows. And on each row, four square compartments. Resting in all but one of these compartments was a child's head. (laughs) With its eyes gouged out and its mouth sewn closed. This was the first thing to catch the girl's eye. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, though, I correct you, it was the shelving unit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Lovely workmanship on that. The second was the table on which the candle was resting. I don't know why. And the third... (laughs) Because she'd been looking at one very similar to that just the other week. (laughs) And the third was the old woman sitting at it. She was pasty, frail and wrinkled. Old woman. She was also sewing. She was sewing the mouth of another head, ready to be placed in its compartment. It became apparent to the girl... That it was this seamstress that was responsible for the macabre creations decorating the entire building. That's a leap. No shit, Sherlock. <laughs> oh, okay, so on one hand we've got a bit of a leap, on the other hand that should have been obvious. Yeah. Well, I think so. What? So this one woman is entirely responsible that she, she's rather than the bloke who like the rotund keeps, customer who, who yeah, keeps ro- laughing sinisterly yeah and looking side to side and keeping boys as horses like, and feeding them hair yeah, like she, she's just seen him <laughs> feeding him hair it doesn't she's like ah oh, no it's this woman it doesn't mean he's put them together she's doing this, she's sewing he's and got he's all thumbs she's the <laughs> eponymous seamstress exactly she's yeah. doing the, the she's doing all the bloody leg work yeah he's just riding around in his Mouth coach work. The seamstress took absolutely no notice of her young visitor and kept at her work, furiously but elegantly manipulating the needle. Oh, I quite like that. Yeah. The girl carefully walked up to the table, about to address the woman, when she hesitated, pausing to read the newspaper clipping stuck to the wall next to her. What? You think she'd be a bit more urgent about this, do you know what I mean? It spoke briefly of a new local workhouse being opened by twins, a brother and sister. There was a picture attached, and the brother and sister did indeed look almost identical. <laughs> what this is, this what is, kind of local paper is this? Is this just sort of the local paper that reports on anything it's going... It's the town news. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably called the convenient plot device. The <laughs> <laughs> machina. <laughs> or the fountainhead, because it's... Very clever. That's a bit too clever. Yeah, yeah you should, actually. Yeah, should really clever. Hinge, I? Yeah. Don't want to give you any ideas. All of a sudden, actually, I've written, in the, in the interest of like full disclosure, I've written, 
all of a sudden, <laughs> she was interrupted by the arrival of the man. He was evidently infuriated by the girl's invasion of his deranged private life. But he smiled a cunning smile. How, wait, how are we supposed Ooh. to know he was evidently furious and also smiling? Have you never smiled furiously? I'm doing it. I'm trying it now. That's like Jack Nicholson's whole thing. That's his acting career. Uh, good point. Yeah. He smiled furiously like Jack Nicholson. <laughs> that would have been that would have been the best bit of like actual sort of description that he'd done in the entire it's thing. He smiled a cunning smile like Jack Nicholson in. Well, anything that they're Batman, shining, I would in, say Batman. Yeah. yeah. Uh, analyze that. <laughs> so this is a new paragraph now. Right. I just thought, you know, oh, you ended... ellipsis, he smiled a cunning smile ellipsis. So, okay. hmm. right. It has been speculated throughout the ages as to why, when an incriminating discovery is made and the criminal is without any possible alibi, the criminal takes it upon himself to divulge every detail of his crime to the discoverer. <laughs> has it? <laughs> yeah, well, because you see it in, like, James Bond and that, don't you? Yeah, throughout the ages, you said. Yeah. <laughs> Does that um, happen in like Greek tragedies and stuff? I would have gotten away with it if it weren't for meddling. Oedipus. <laughs> yeah. Some put it down to arrogance. Some blame fear. Some blame lazy writers. <laughs> and some believe they feel a sense of redemption as if confessing their sins to God. <laughs> Whatever the reason, the man began to relate his tale to the girl, watching her closely throughout. And now we're about to enter the first bit of dialogue in the entire story. Jesus. Um, let's do some voices. Would then. you like us to do a voice? Oh, voice would you please. Work, yeah. Of the man. So he's sort of let's 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 think. He's got a round face. Ringo Starr. It's, it's got to be Ringo. Ringo. So it's got to be Ringo. Oh, all right. Ringo, do it. You're a very useful engine. <laughs> Boy. I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to do Ringo because I'll I'll slip up. Do Roger Moore. I'm not, I'll just do a chubby... He's a chubby fat man, and he's evil a bit. This is how he goes. <laughs> the feeble wreck of a woman before us was once my mirror image. We were closer than any siblings have ever been, and I rarely left her side for the duration of our childhood. Are you doing Boss Nass from Phantom Menace? <laughs> 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 when we reached adolescence... We took upon ourselves the task of operating a humane workhouse. One that got the job done without injuring or otherwise endangering the well-being of its staff. (laughs) We each got well-paying jobs, and when we had raised enough money, we bought this building from its previous owner, a monster of a man who couldn't care less about the rights of his boys. Hey, they're self-made people, these two. Yeah. We kept our promise, too, and never heard a word of complaint from our workers. We got even closer, if such a thing is possible, through our righteous mission, and she eventually became impregnated with my child. <laughs> Whoa, they oh did it. God. So by even closer, means they did it. Yeah. Yeah, they did it. Shangin. And it was his sister... Uh, yeah, and she had a baby. Uh, which was hideous and oh, mentally no, defunct. Give it away. 
we kept the pregnancy a secret, of course, and she was kept indoors for the duration. <laughs> when the child was born, however, it was not of this earth. <laughs> <laughs> she nearly died at the sight of its demonic features, and we both decided the only choice was to send it to an orphanage. I sent my faithful servant to deliver it to the most benevolent orphanage I could find. Halfway up the country. Oh, halfway! Mm. So it's not that far north after all. Maybe it's my kind of north. Mm. It's an orphanage somewhere outside Ellesmere Port. <laughs> which, in fairness, it probably would have, this demonic child would have fit in quite well. <laughs> the child was gone, but my darling was still worse for wear. Some acting there. Don't blame them. Very good. The image of the hideous child cast her into the realms of mental illness, and she could think of nothing to occupy her time other than sewing. The more she sewed, I realised, the more her former self disintegrated until she was no longer the woman I loved. So she wasn't like hot anymore. <laughs> yeah, she's spicy. so. <laughs> she wasn't a spicy gal anymore. I was drawn to the concept of murder. <laughs> Where did that come from? Who is this benevolent guy who's just thinking about Man, murder? Now. When your girlfriend gains like 15 pounds and you just have to murder somebody for fun, <laughs> it's terrible. But I mean, your girlfriend's sister, of course. Yeah. Same I mean, thing. Complicating a little bit. I was drawn to the concept of murder, (laughs) but I suddenly made another stunning realisation. The older she grew, as a result of her work, the more healthy I became. What? As she degenerated into skin and bone, I became robust and strong. I did not even hunger. (laughs) <laughs> that's not well that's why not does he keep going sentence. shopping then yeah exactly <laughs> what's he buying what are his supplies he needs to feed her maybe he needs to feed the coachman just buying candles just... yeah obviously candles yeah. Yeah. and hair no he shares the hair off the boys that's not enough hair no what, what do you mean not enough hair it's to meant feed... to be plentiful as hay yeah Unless oh they're... yeah I suppose you're right because <laughs> boys have less hair than men as well. <laughs> I mean, unless he went to the point of like showing the legs and stuff, I mean, this. I mean, we're clutching at straws. As opposed to killing her, I thought I could turn the situation to my advantage. It's already at his advantage. He, like, he's. He has he's, every advantage here. He is Dorian Gray. Yeah. Yeah, he is, he is Dorian Gray. She is the picture. That, I think that's what I was going for. Yeah, I mean, I think. I but she was also his sister that he was fucking. Um, not anymore. Because <laughs> she's a dog now. Okay. okay. <laughs> just for the listeners at home, she's not an actual dog. No. Sam just means that she's an old bag. Yeah. That's what he calls them. Not no, that's not way. what I call them. That's what this character would call <laughs> them. He wasn't slowly turning her into a dog in the same way he turned a boy into a Yeah, you've horses. got to be careful when that is actually happening. Yeah. <laughs> All over the place. I had but one problem. A lack of material. What? <laughs> I think that might be the problem with the story. <laughs> <laughs> it was while I was pondering my predicament that a young boy from the workforce approached, begging to be fed. 
an epiphany struck me, and I led him into the room in which my former sister was sewing. (laughs) (laughs) He doesn't know what a sister is. She's like, my former hot sister. (laughs) My former sister was sewing with the last piece of cloth to which she had access. I armed her with a knife, and she promptly skinned the boy without remorse. I still had a problem. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I've got a hole in my bucket. It's just one thing after another. (laughs) I had no means of storing the remains of the boys. My brilliant mind soon solved that as well. And I began to procure blueprints for the machinery in the workhouse. I gave them to the woman to see if she was as potent as I predicted. Potent. Armed with the carcasses of several boys, she easily constructed a replacement for the machine. Did they use other boys as like sort of the cranes and stuff to get everything together? I don't know. Oh, it's not that big a machine. We sounded big. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> How many boys have got into it? About a hundred or so. No, yeah, in total, there's yeah. A, a few different machines. All right. It's not just one massive. Ah, look, I don't know. Please just let us finish. I continued in this manner, replacing boys with machines that operate of their own volition. I do not know by which sorcery they managed to achieve this. <laughs> oh, that's convenient, isn't it? I don't wonder. Well, neither should you. <laughs> How is he supposed to know? It is not important. <laughs> How is he supposed to know? He's not a doctor. <laughs> what? Well, like, a, a magic doctor. Yeah. A doctor of magic and ghosts. So what, does this mean that his sister's magic? Yeah, I think yeah. So. She's she's like, like, there's obviously some magic going on because of the Dorian Gray kind of scenario. Yeah, so what she's lost in her original hotness, yeah. she has gained in like super sorcery powers. Yeah. And she can saw these boys in the living machines, yes. Even trade. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> I do not know by which sorcery they managed to achieve this. <laughs> and in honesty, <laughs> I don't really care. <laughs> This is. I was. I was listening to this, trying to find where the Mary Sue is, and I think I found it. Yeah. <laughs> I it's don't like, care. <laughs> you catch you, you know, rapping away on the keyboard like this doesn't really make sense, but I don't care, and I'm just going to keep going. Mm. Neither should you. But tell me, child, if you were driven to the edge as I have been. By what, the... by having a not-hot sister? By... <laughs> oh man, it's, it's difficult. <laughs> it's a struggle every day. <laughs> by the merciless dagger of circumstance. <laughs> Would you have the foresight to that. act differently? Yes. Yes, I'm going to say that all the time now. Like, oh man, there's no milk. The merciless dagger of circumstance <laughs> has descended again. <laughs> I acted on impulse and instinct for what I mistook to be the greater good, and you tell me that any man would not do the same. Yes. Yes. Yeah, but he's obviously a bit tapped, isn't he? 
Ah, uh, he's, he's a bit daft. I think, no, I don't think, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think you were going for Snooker Loopy. I think you were genuinely trying to do, like, a complicated character. Yeah. And you just yeah. didn't know what, what you were doing. I think you were trying to stretch for some moral relativism. Yeah. Like, like sort of Did Joker he not style. do what we would all do? Like, well, yeah. maybe not, but... Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't actually matter. <laughs> the villain never sees himself as a villain. The villain's always trying to do good says every actor who's ever played a villain mm, ever mm, and mm. that's kind of what it was going for here I was trying to rationalise this in his mind mm. it didn't work <laughs> uh, but we're in the last paragraph now about oh, the start God so during this bizarre monologue the girl was constantly thinking of ways to escape her hellish prison she needn't have worried however as this last line of dialogue from the twisted gentleman appeared to have been taken as a challenge by one of his organic tools. <laughs> <laughs> one of his organic tools. A <laughs> just absolutely acey humanisation there. Yeah. Tool. You all, you fucking organic tool is the best insult <laughs> ever. The girl gasped in awe as, unbeknownst to its master, the cane appeared to bend. Yes, because it was a spine. <laughs> they do that. It struggled hard as it had been made rigid by applying plaster between each of its vertebrae, rendering wow. it smooth. There Woo! you go. Oh, bit of description. Somebody's been on Wikipedia. Mic a drop. That is why it was so rigid. It could be used as a cane, even though it was a spine. I know what I'm doing. You just need it away. All <laughs> <laughs> just need it away. Uh, it's all I'll never, I'll never have you know this lack of faith in you again. It was managing though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was trying. <laughs> God, it was trying. And slowly, she could see a bit of plaster crumble away. This alerted the man to its sentience. But before he had a chance to react, the cane pierced his foot. <laughs> he let out a high-pitched yelp and fell to his knees. His back level with the seamstress's table. Let's try to paint a picture here. Okay, very good. She kept sewing. He banged the top of the cane on the edge of the table, knocking off its spherical head. It rolled along the table, knocking over the candle, which connected with the man's coat, igniting it. She kept sewing. Hang on, is his, is his coat made of fire lighters? It's made of hair. <laughs> of course. Yeah, notoriously flammable hair. <laughs> <laughs> but what was underneath the coat? That's what I want to know. I'd say he's bollock naked. Foreshadowing this for so long. He's clearly a, a quite pervalicious. Oh, yeah, wrong gun. The man was almost bathing in a pool of flames as the young girl dashed for the exit. The shelving unit... <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> oh, no! The it's shelving... all right, they're only like 20 quid. <laughs> to <laughs> the shelving unit, containing the severed heads, fell, crushing the evil man beneath it. The screaming stopped. She kept sewing. The Wait, horses... how did this, like... Wall high shelving unit only hit him and not everybody else. It's as big as the wall, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, and as wide as the wall, so it would have—it wouldn't even have fallen to the ground, actually, would it? No, it would have like gone clonk. It would have hit about forty-five degrees and just yeah. stopped. Anticlimax much? Yeah. Well, never mind. Maybe the heads fell out, and um, that was what crushed them. The, the heads. heads all tipped out. It's full of heads, Liz. It's would, full of heads. Yeah, but apparently like... the heads fell out and crushed him. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
So they say. <laughs> My peers have made it known. <laughs> the horses. Horses is in air quotes there. Oh, very good. The horse, well, not air quotes, because it's written down. <laughs> quotes. Real quotes. <laughs> Actual quotes. The horses battered down the door of the stable, dashing through the workroom into the seamstress's room. They circled the room, this tiny room, which has a Kelvin unit on the side. <laughs> I don't know. They circled the room. Now there's horse-shaped children running round it as well. It's just... It's rammed. It's yeah. rammed jam. Oh, boy. Absolutely chocker. <laughs> oh, God. Um, they circled the room, setting themselves alight, and ran out again. Oh, well, well done, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Great help. <laughs> she, yeah, they're, they're like Leroy Jenkinses, aren't they? Yeah. She kept yeah. sewing. Bit of a motif there. Yes. Yeah. As you can see. Yeah. It's very good. They ignited the door to the outside world, blocking the young girl's escape. Then she started screaming. Just now. A crowd was beginning to build up outside, watching the flames. She kept sewing. The girl died. <laughs> Fire. The girl died. Sewing. She kept sewing. The horses died. She kept sewing. The room burned down around her. She kept sewing. She never finished. Because she was dead? Yeah, she she died, yeah. Ah, right. And that's the end of the story. Oh, thank God. At least... Oh, God, I need a wave. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you do. Well, that was quite something. That was The Seamstress. That was chapter one. <laughs> I keep forgetting how many chapters are there. I forgot this was... Oh, uh, an amount. This like, <laughs> so this is an anthology, isn't it? It's a series yeah. of things that are connected by a... A long strand of shit. A motif, like a central theme, which was again... Uh, the fountain. I right. mean, that's the, 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 the book as a whole is The Fountain, Quolon, A Novel in Shards. Mm. Um, Lovely so it's, shards. It's... <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard anyone say the word shards for years. <laughs> So they're all going to come together in the end to form a sort of story. They're all set in the same world. You might see some characters <laughs> pop up again. God, I hope they're Not rotund characters. <laughs> yeah, it may be. Maybe the rotund customer. Or... You see, I'd be impressed by that because they did all die quite conclusively. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah, but you never saw what was underneath his coat, so maybe he's a robot. Oh, the other two children are fine, are they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, without spoiling anything, there's mm. a couple of characters who, who are still at large. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what did you make of that, then? Well, apart from the obvious... I mean, he's already used the, the word shards, which is... <laughs> <laughs> if we want to look at it as, as a, a kind of literary work... Please. I mean, <laughs> if we must... Then, as opposed to looking at it as... As opposed to looking at it as... A song? <laughs> no. <or> skywriting? <laughs> as opposed to looking at it as a, a foible of yours, uh, as an extension of your quirky personality. 
if we're going to divorce it from you for a, for a second, um, then obviously the overarching theme is uh, a fear or an anxiety over mechanisation of culture and the literal chewing up of people, children, into um, serving this complex mm-hmm. um, industrial world. I mean, it's not actually clear from what you've written what process they were involved. Like, is it manufacture? What yeah, well, I, I didn't want to be too... Um... Give too much detail. Yeah, so, I, I mean, that's want... never been something you've ever really struggled with. I want this. everybody to be able to see their own local factory in this <laughs> warehouse. So warehouse. If, if you live up here uh, in Sunderland, there's like Nis- Nissan. We've got Nissan factories, so they could have been making Japanese cars. <laughs> like my, making my kids. <laughs> I don't yeah. think you're allowed to say this anymore. <laughs> Um, definitely pull that yeah, factory yeah. out, let alone the Brexit. It could, have be been, <laughs> it could have been, it could have been like clothes or I don't know what the people make in clothes, the industrial revolution. Gonna, uh, what did they industrialise? Clothes, clothes, admittedly, <laughs> because the fingers were needles, so maybe it was clothes. I mean, you never mm. really said, but what were they actually producing in this factory, or were they just? Well, that's what I said. They were producing jibs. They were producing terror. Yeah, Other that than that, it doesn't matter. All you described was feet and hands, like pressing down on each but other. If you leave it ambiguous, it means you can apply it to like whatever issue you want, or none at all. So I mean, if, if you're really if, if if you're against like like clothes sweatshops and that, it could be like a metaphor for that. Or if you're against like the working conditions in like. Toy factories, it could be, I don't know, what perhaps, What perhaps, factories do people not if like? If you're against, yeah. like, the Grand National, you know, yeah. there's a lot of cruelty to horses. Perhaps it could be the fact that you were a 16-year-old boy who'd never worked a day in his life. <laughs> or, you know, perhaps it was a more timeless message about the fear of becoming a, a literal cog in the machine. Mm. But more likely, you'd just never worked a day in your life. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's about, it's about like, um, the, the spread of, of industry sort of like encroaching upon like nature whereas in the real world it being it was encroaching on like the countryside and that that people were getting worried about in like rural life in this case it's encroaching on like boys and, and, <laughs> and spicy young women yeah, yeah. it's like mechanizing boys and then she's like a representative of like the outside like the rural kind of thing coming in and saying oh this is this isn't right I'm, it's all the hot really, issues yeah. of 1886. <laughs> <laughs> Finally coming in with your hot take. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a metaphor for, don't get us wrong, it's not a metaphor for, like, racism. It's not a metaphor for, like, sexism. Or, like, um, what, what are the other issues? Uh, I don't know. Oh, I mean, you made some pretty... Bold claims about being a, a feminist narrative. Let's not Im- <laughs> oh, yeah. embark upon all the incest stuff. Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I mean, this is this is possibly. I'm just to take your side for a second here. This is how unnatural conditions in that workhouse are. That it's turning brother and sister into shagging partners. They were shagging partners before. He made a workhouse out of kids. No, no, it was the workhouse. But then she, she stopped being hot anymore after that weird kid they had died. No. And because yeah. he didn't want to fuck her anymore, he had to start a workhouse full of kids. It was yeah. because... <laughs> Take his mind off his yeah. no, it, it was because they got even closer after they made the warehouse because the warehouse was so mint. 
That's what. That's how it was. Yeah, those is they, it. they just on. said that they had really high standards for the, the kids in it. <laughs> yeah. And then it somehow all went really badly wrong after she had that. After they had this ugly kid. That died suddenly. And um, therefore, it was because she wasn't like fuckable anymore that he had to. I can't even remember what, what he was making, but whatever they were doing had to happen. Yeah. He, he presented it as a very reasonable and natural sort of hmm. sequence of events. Yeah, but he's know. the baddie, isn't he? He's crackers. He's the bad guy. But he's the only point of view that we have. He's the bad guy, and he's the one who's, like, exploiting this woman who's also his sister. And he's and, and then another woman comes in and sort of... Stops them by accidentally setting all of them on fire. But it's, it's a feminist narrative. She doesn't set them on fire. She just stands there with her gob open, and then the little boys set everything on fire. The horse boys. Can we talk about the horse boys for a second? I feel like we've really let him off the hook by saying this is a feminist narrative, and then there's so much other bollocks to <laughs> contend with. Oh, okay. yeah. It's not. It's not a feminist narrative. Spoilers. Not none of this. None of these stories are I think feminist narratives. Only going to get like trigger warning worse. Yeah, I was sixteen and didn't really know what girls were. I wasn't sixteen. I knew what girls were when I was sixteen. You know what I'm saying? But I was I was fourteen slash fifteen when I was putting this out, and I didn't know what girls were. That's why I was writing these stories. <laughs> But as I remember, she runs into the room, stands there with her mouth open. He sort of monologues at her. Mm. And then the horses break free of the stable and set everything on the fire. Horse, the horse boys set everything on yeah, fire. Yeah, so the four, the four horse boys of the fiery apocalypse, quite nicely. Yeah. yeah nice sort of biblical reference. Completely accidentally. Completely <laughs> accidental. He just reckoned four boys was the amount you need to pull yeah. a carriage. So what, what, briefly, <laughs> right. what briefly are your issues with the horse boys? What's the problem there? I thought that was I the think, best well, image I mean, in the book. Practically speaking, yeah. if, they were, if they were the size of horses... Uh-huh. How the hell did you do that? Yeah. How did the hell did But it might have been more than one boy. It um, could have been you up to implied three boys. that it was one boy who's had his face like... Made into, into a horse yeah, face that... and then bent over, which would make him about the size of a spaniel. <laughs> okay, but he's stronger than a spaniel. Just magic. The best thing about the horse boys is how they're foreshadowed earlier in the narrative because they don't look like ordinary horses in a non-specific way. Yet nobody notices that they're clearly boys, <laughs> which is like. Would no one notice really, that? Really disturbing. Yeah. Would no one notice that like their arms were like the wrong way round for horses? That's not how horses' well, arms. This go. is this is a story about how um, John Q. Public, aka you, the reader, yeah. is complicit in these kind of crimes oh, committed remember, by yeah. powerful men because if you, you just turn your head the other way. If you said anything about it, you were declared insane. Yeah. You? Yeah. Exactly. You said, this bloke's got kids for horses. No, you're insane. You just look the other way mm. because oh, so, it would be more trouble than it's worth to try and take down these powerful men. It happens in real life all the I time. I was going to say. So is this like a, a foreshadowing of you tree then? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> you sort of this this guy. He's he's. <laughs> Yeah. I'm going to have to cut that out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a real shame. It's a real shame. <laughs> we, could, we could have... Um, maybe that the whole thing is a metaphor for you, Tree. Let's bear that reading We'll try mind. and get a different one in every yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. Just for us. Yeah. And, yeah, and yet still cut all of this out. <laughs> okay. uh, and we'll cut this out in each subsequent yeah. story. But we'll know. <laughs> for us. Yeah.
Let's move on to the ratings. All right. Um, let's remind ourselves about about those. We've got um, out of ten for jibs. How scared were you? And out of ten for literary vision and sort of execution. Artistic merit. Mm. Yeah. So go on, jibs out of ten. Um, I can't say that I was actually scared throughout any of it. I was vaguely disgusted, but I... Yeah, that's that was, different, though. The bit that really got me was the hair. Mm. Um, she had been in the hair for some minutes before she realised it wasn't hay, which is, you know... But um, I think for something to be really scary, it has to be at least slightly plausible. Like, I couldn't even picture this machine, because it just... Yeah, is, yeah it's, it's an eldritch abomination. It's Lovecraftian, man. You can't uh, picture it. It's you, beyond human it's understanding. Very convenient. Yeah. <laughs> Which was beyond description isn't yeah. really a way to... Works when he does it, because he also describes and explains some other things. Yeah. I can picture the seamstress, <laughs> the, the woman. Yeah, yeah, with her heads and her Yeah, you really went to town on describing the old hag, but not <laughs> any of the other But the bits stuff. that you did describe where it's like, it's fingers and needles or something, mm. that just doesn't make any sense. It's just... So it was hard to be... I think when something jumps the gun like that, it's hard to feel any... Jibs. So out of ten for jibs, please. Um, well, as this is a bit difficult with it being the first one, we don't really know how mm. bad it's going to get. So yeah. um, I'm going to be generous and give it, I think, a six. Yeah, I think we might have to adjust for inflation mm-hmm. along the way. But um, I do remember a bit. I was getting a little bit jibby uh, when I ruined it by burping. So for, oh yeah, for that bit. All altogether, I would say five. Artistic merit out of ten. You definitely used your sentences. Mm-hmm. There was a semicolon. There was a semicolon, which I think we agreed wasn't necessary. Um, but I like the flair, you know. Um, I like the um, attempt at having a sort of wry narrator. He's got a very yeah, this floating omniscient. Um, you can picture him with his monocle in his library. He's got a smoking jacket mm. on. Played as we say by Peter Cushing. He tells us what the general population thinks. <laughs> the bystanders. Yeah, he tells us what those general population people think. Yeah, I knows. can't. I people. can't say if that's gonna be consistent throughout the rest of well, the. I'd genuinely be upset yeah. if anything were consistent throughout this <laughs> maelstrom of bollocks. So out of ten, quickly, how are you? Um, I'm going to give you a solid seven. Seven? Uh, six, because nothing made sense. You got points off for your anachronisms such as going to the grocery shop <laughs> and the Ikea shelving unit. Yeah. So, that's, so six out of ten, that's a 40% markdown on what I've got at school, which was 100% for that. So yeah, that's why you're not an English teacher. I think your English teacher might have been wearied. I'd like to remind you that uh, next episode, if you come back for next episode, you'll you'll get the first attempt, which even though it was deemed less than perfect, I still thought I would include it as the second chapter of um of the fountain yeah. call on a novel in shards. Because you knew better than like the marking scheme of the GCSE, so this. Well, you obviously do. The title is Disco 2000. <laughs> it sounds like a change of uh, you know texture and tone. Mm-hmm. A lot more synthy. We've jumped forward in time. Yeah. Well, that's that's the point. It's uh, you get lots of different styles, lots of different settings, different kinds of yeah. stories. Wait, hang on. So, if we were saying before, this fountain yeah. is where everything's based. Yeah. If it is indeed 
the Disco 2000 fan, and that means that this industrial town is Sheffield. Yes, it really is a very specific location. Plenty of spicy gals around there. Yeah. Let's not talk too much about Disco 2000 before we get there. All right. We're getting ahead of ourselves. You're getting way ahead of yourself. And please, let's not try and figure out where this is located geographically, because <laughs> I've never been to Sheffield <laughs> at this stage. I've only been to Sheffield once. How was it? Well, I didn't... It was quite nice. Mm. Uh, didn't notice the fountain. Didn't go looking for it. <laughs> yeah, they've torn it down now. Too many bad vibes. They realised the fountain yeah. was what was making everything go wrong. Yeah, when we steel get in industry. that bloody fountain. <laughs> <sighs> so... Uh, I guess we'll see you next time on Tales of Teenage Terror. I think my voice would have detracted from the effect of that, so... Yeah.